Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome to the Giannotto and Jeffrey Show. We're coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright929ESPN. Dennis Fuller's producing the program for us. We're glad that he's with us. Sitting across from me is the Commercial Appeals lead sports columnist. The lead sports columnist, the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. Top three sports columnists in the state of Tennessee, barely. Tied for eighth, best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter, at MGianato. Mark, good day, sir. You know, Jeffrey, it's Tasty Take Thursday, and I think I've got one I've developed over the course of the week. I've I've been kind of struggling with it over the the course of opening segments throughout the week. Is it baked? Because Tasty Takes, like, that's workshopping. But taste no, it. I feel like I've workshopped it over you, the course of the week, so and ready, it's ready for tasty. You are ready take to Thursday. serve this. Yes. Okay. I think we've done a night. This used to be remembered as like a, a terrible week, like when I was coming up in the business, so to speak. I would say for much of our lives. Yeah, for much of our lives, but especially once I, you know, once I wanted to be, a, once I wanted to be sports journalist, All Star Game week so, of the baseball. So the season. day that you, the day that you learned what a sports journalist was. I guess like since college, fine. Since college, I became. I feel like I was aware of all this, super aware of it. Because I feel like when I was a kid in the summer, you know, like you're at a school, it's a different feeling. That in mid July, it's still slow, but like you know, you're at a school. So well, it's, and it's always inevitable. I guess better. you're right because also as a kid, during the summer, you have stuff going on. Like you know, mm-hmm. this was always, this was always kind of the end. Like right around the end of baseball season like competitive mm. baseball season like this was kind of like state tournament wise because our family vacation like our beach trip always had to be it, it kind of worked out for me my birthday is august 3rd 
So it was always like the first week of August because it was like right before school or really like before like football started back, but after baseball. So, but yeah, you're right. Like you're, you just kind of get other stuff going on. Yeah. And so, um, but we've done an, I, here's my, my first tasty take of the day is that we've done a nice job filling in the calendar this week uh, with sports stuff. Here's what I'd say. Usually I know about the ESPYs and dread the ESPYs. I was, you know what I liked yesterday, Jeffrey? Being supply, being surprised. Oh, the ESPYs are tonight. Like I wasn't, it didn't get slapped in my face because there was nothing else on for like a week span, and all you're hearing about on Sports Center or whatever is the ESPYs. Now, granted, part of this is I, I'm watching Sports Center less and less. Say, I think that's only because so during the day, like the times when you casually watch Sports Center, mm-hmm. like after you drop your boys off. Mm-hmm. And then you've got like that window to work, and you probably mm-hmm. just casually watch Sports Center. Yeah, you've had Wimbledon going on. Yeah, so there, there hasn't been Sports Center. But if you've been watching ESPN, no, you okay? Like, well, they, it caught me by surprise, and then I was like, oh, I can just watch a couple highlights from it on Twitter, and it gets the job done. Uh, my tasty take is, I absolutely hate the ESPYS. <laughs> like, I. But well, we've t- got other stuff, as you mentioned. We've got Wimbledon. We've got Summer League still going well, let on. Let me do just one quick little rant on the ESPYs. <laughs> I, realized, I realized what it is about the ESPYs that I hate. A lot of people, like, it's, a lot of people will say, like, well, you know, it's, it's heavy-handed in the messaging. And don't get me wrong. It's very heavy-handed. But what I've realized I hate about the ESPYs is it is entirely it's not an award show. It's just like a convention for athletes to go and essentially like have a PR campaign. With- it, it does feel like very much like, for instance, like the People's Choice Awards. Like you know how you win a People's Choice Award, you show or, up. Yeah, yeah, it's like, are is it is your client willing to come and get Correct. a People's Choice Award? Oh yeah, then they win. But it's like it's even more so. It's like you know, LeBron and the family thing. It's like nothing there. The only thing that even the DeMar Hamlin thing, I think I'll give him execution on this. I don't care if I can see it coming. DeMar Hamlin, Hamlin it was the EMTs that helped him. The, 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 yes. The training staff of the Buffalo Bills won the Arthur Ashe Courage Award, correct? No, the Pat Tillman Service oh, Award. Oh, Pat Tillman Because the Courage Ashe Award was... was to the women's national team. Gotcha. Uh, but you see, you, that's making your point. Like mm-hmm. whatever they just yeah. the names don't matter. They're figure, <laughs> yeah, you know uh, what I mean. Like it's yeah. they'll just they're just, oh no. I don't, and then they have not done a great job at making the SBs feel like something that is important, like to win. I guess the way that would say is like this. But in wrestling, it does feel like they've made it an event where at least like whether it's through the gifts that they give or where they where on where they hold it, i.e. L.A. and where on the calendar they hold it, does feel like they do a nice job year in and year out getting like the biggest athletes to show up um by and large yeah i think though it's it's helpful it's so it's right before the reno tahoe so like mahomes and all all those crew that are gonna go oh, play that golf tournament yeah. you know, like quick flight go to la i'm also willing to bet that espn probably sends the private jet out to a few people like yeah. I, I think they probably take care of the transportation yeah but like the demar hamlin thing is clearly orchestrated and you can see it but the execution was great like it was a cool like that actually was a really good moment the Liam Hendricks moment with him and his wife and and 
like that. Well executed. But there's just so much of it that is, even if it's telegraphed, it's just like LeBron going up there just to be like, you know, just to announce that he's coming back. No but Jeffrey, we didn't know he had left it hanging in the air at the end of the season. My point exactly. But it's just like, <laughs> uh, well, we. I am glad nobody takes it seriously, though. Well, we take our takes about it. That's what I'm though. saying. It's Tasty Take Thursday. We'll dive into some more. We got some conference realignment stuff. Because you know what takes else matter. You know what else I like about the calendar. Uh, I when I learned when we first learned of it, and it kind of caught us by surprise earlier this week that. Media days were starting earlier than we ever anticipated with the Big 12 media days. I can tell you, my initial reaction was, I like this idea of extending it out in execution already. I feel like I'm a fan of a longer range of college football media days. Yeah, I think, I don't know if it was by some design, but I think what has happened is a lot of these C-list events or D-list Mm-hmm. events on the calendar, mm-hmm. I think they've looked in the mirror and they've said, what are we doing? Like, Putting them up against B-list events. Well, they used to, I think everyone used to like worry about the date. Like yeah. we we want this date. Well, then people started going like, well, everyone else, the better people, they have that, di- they want that date too. Mm-hmm. And so now I think what people have realized is if you've got the C or D-list event, put it when we'll, when there's nothing on because yeah. – We'll at least watch it. Yeah. Like, I, I do. And it's so like, I don't know if it was, I don't know if we had the meeting of the sports minds that came together and said, like, yeah. all right, we're redoing the schedule. Yeah. I just think what has happened is, like, people realize it's more important to get some eyeballs rather than just get lost in the wash completely. Yeah. I think, uh, that's right. So we'll talk, we'll talk a little bit about that conference realignment. Maybe, I, I believe I heard a Seth Hennigan pit, uh, take pitched before the show, potentially. We'll get into all that. 2.40 or so, Eric Hasseltine will join us. He's been out in Las Vegas, right? I believe. I don't know if he's been going. Oh, uh, okay. I, I think, you know, Austin has sports. I, I, don't think he, I don't think he's gone. He used to go, and he used to, like, do some, like, TV. But now I, I don't even think. He hasn't gone the last couple of years. Uh-huh. He might have gone this year, but I don't. Okay, well, we'll talk to the radio voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, get his thoughts on Grizzlies Summer League. They lost yesterday in what appeared to be a, a quite an, an ugly uh Summer league game. I believe both neither team scored over eighty five points. Is that correct? So I did I did watch this. Um yes, neither team cracked eighty. That's that's it was tight going into the fourth quarter and then the okay. Grizzlies like refused to score in like the last three minutes. Okay. Well we'll get they've got I believe that game means they won't like tomorrow is gonna be their last summer league game no matter what. Like they won't make the next round of it because they go they're they're one and two now. And if I recall correctly in previous years, you gotta be at Usually you got to be at least three and one over the four games to advance yeah, no, to whatever the playoffs. Their last game is tomorrow. I think. Yeah, yeah, last game is tomorrow. So we'll get we'll get Eric's thoughts on everything that's happened, everything we've heard uh, over the last week, whether it was Marcus Smart and Desmond Bain or this summer league team. Uh, three o'clock, we will get into the list. More bad news for Georgia. Um, <laughs> did you see this? Yeah, I don't. <sighs> They're getting sued. I, I think it was predictable. Yeah, they're getting sued. Um, yeah, and then uh, we've got maybe, maybe we're gonna have to. Do you think maybe Kirby's gonna have to call another impromptu press well, conference? Well, some people speculate that the impromptu press conference was, was related. Was related to this, you know, trying to make you know you knew this was coming out today. So, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll dive into that in the list, and then three uh, thirty or so, Jason Smith will will join us. We'll get his thoughts on uh, all things Tigers and Grizzlies. They've been having an interesting ongoing discussion about. 
now that Derrick Rose is back in Memphis, you know, is now the time to celebrate that 0708 team, even though maybe, maybe not John Calipari could come, you know, based on both availability, his preferences, yeah. and the feelings of the fan base here. So uh, maybe we'll get Jason's thoughts on that. But let's start. Let's start with some more tasty takes, Jeffrey. And I think I, I want to build off of my, you know, I am a fan of rather than having all, like having these media days back to back to back, like why didn't we think of this earlier? I mean. I think it's it's exactly what we talked about. It extends about. talking season. There's a gap in the calendar anyways. Because um, still, even though the Big 12 made the bold move of doing theirs early and starting it on July 12th, Yesterday, there's still a couple that are on top of each other. You know, yes. Like, like, but this is nice. We get Big 12 yesterday and today, and then we go right into next week. We get four days of the SEC. Then I believe the Big 10 is after that. Is that right? Yes. Um, And then the AAC is after that. I believe AAC runs in conjunction with um, – I don't even know when the Pac-12 one is. Pac-12 is like late. Yeah, that's right. There's is late. That's you know yet again. It's like uh uh the there's is not there's is the twenty first. Pac twelve media day, twenty twenty three, in tw- Vegas. So that is. Are they starting it on a Saturday? No, Friday. It's next Friday. Oh yeah, today's Thursday. Yeah, yeah. it's next Friday. So Pac twelve. That's still weird on a Friday. Well, they don't want to. They didn't want to be on the SEC day days. So next week, next week you get four days of SEC. You get. A day of Pac-12 on Friday. Let's see, big, and I believe Big Ten Media Day. Um, well, they just announced their list of participants. The Big I'm 10. pretty sure it's. I'm pretty sure it's. Big Ten is July 26th and 27th. So it's the following whatever. So like it's Tuesday. T- yeah, or whatever. it's Wednesday, Thursday. So the AAC might have that day to itself. When's the ACCs? Uh, I don't. I remember looking this last week. This is great radio, by the way. Yeah. What do you mean? We're getting everyone ready for media day season. Yeah, everyone's locked in. <laughs> They're the 25th, 26th, 27th. So the, the AC's going to have a, have it all to themselves, the showcase. Um, but along with that, what do you make of, you know, because the Big 12 media day especially has, you know, I don't know if what Brett Yormark said yesterday during it, Really matter. I mean, the, the key points that seem to seem to get brought up, if you're thinking about this from a Memphis perspective, and now that it's media day season, um, the pertinent things Brett Yormark said yesterday seem to be, one, that they're open to going back to 14. Like, kind of, they it seems, while they're, they're happy at 12, once Oklahoma and Texas leave, like, 14 also feels like something they'd want to do. And then... He also indicated that they'd be open to the idea of a group of five team, potentially, if it was the right value and I forget what, what the other parameter was. It was like if they – no, if if they had like – If they had line, value like, and aligned like, No, no, with, like, client, uh, like it was values and then like basically – basically what he's saying is if, if they care about sports, then we think they can bring money. Yeah. Um, and then he also, not on stage, when asked about – Adding a West Coast partner to pair with BYU. So said, we're in three time zones. Yes, said we're in three time zones, but said basically there's not an option out there. 
Correct. which kind of squashed any. There had been some San Diego State to the pack to the Big Twelve scuttlebutt, and that kind of squashed all that. Yes. Also, you're starting to see. You're now hearing more. I think Dan Patrick had even mentioned. Oh God. You, we haven't talked about this in a while, but yeah. message board Dan Patrick has been one of my favorite additions to the Dan Patrick, <laughs> like like to his brand, like yeah. when he like when he goes got something from a source, like it's mm. literally you can hear like Dan typing on the message board, like mm. heard heard from a source. That, that yeah. was always that was always like you knew this was a good post when someone would start the message board post with heard from a source. Mm. We should do like a segment heard from a source. Yes, and <laughs> and so I believe it's. UNLV and Boise, perhaps they're looking at. Yes, UNLV Boise, and then he mentioned um, he mentioned SMU and San Diego State as Pac-12 bound. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of where that seems headed. Yes, but it, he mentioned, and it also seems that the Big 12's hope maybe of picking off like of the Pac-12 exploding and then picking off the rest. It seems like that's dying down. Yeah, but I I do think I I mean I'll give you this tasty take. I think Memphis. I really actually believe this. I think Memphis might be closer to getting into the Big Twelve than it's ever been. I also think this. I don't know. I don't think. I still don't think it's close enough. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not convinced it's close enough. But I do actually think it's all. It's more honestly a reflection of like I don't. I'm not sure they were that close before. You know, but it does feel like. So- there's been it, it, it which 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 iterations do you want to go through? I think this to is, me it's like it, this is the third to me I count this as the third dalliance if you will with the Big Twelve. There's the 2016 where no one got in, you know, like where they and like everyone had to do the correct. Dance. But the problem with that one was I don't know they appeared to have bad information because mm. the administration thought they were in. And then the Big 12 announced that they were going to do cutdowns. So, like, it was, mm-hmm. like, literally, it was, like, pref night. Like, yeah. you, know, you didn't get invited to pref. And they didn't even get make that list. Mm-hmm. Inevitably, it was a sham to begin with. Yeah. But, and no one got in. But the fact that they didn't even make, like, that next list mm-hmm. was shocking. Yes. It was, it was, and it felt like that has, that experience has colored how everyone, both the school, the boosters, fans, have approached every other realignment if you realignment rumor, if you will, since then, right? Wouldn't you agree? Like Probably. it did some, it did some serious damage to yeah. the psyche. Well, that one was a major blow, but yeah. that's like the first time you get dumped, mm-hmm. and the first time you get dumped, it's like f them. And yeah. It's like it, it. There's anger. I still think the more the one that truly broke the spirit was this most re- this no. last one and yes. so that guy counted as three different the three different events that one 2016 is one 2021 is two in which they take UCF Cincinnati and Houston over Memphis and that one happened it felt like that one happened quietly if you will yes like in terms of Memphis getting bypassed in that case there wasn't the outrage came after the fact not during, there was no lead up not as much Runway, if you will, as well, there, it was, there wasn't the song and dance, like yes. they, you know what I mean, like because it was the Big Twelve basically had to act. Remember, Bowlesby sends the letter accusing Oresco. Bowlesby sends the letter accusing Oresco of poaching teams. Yes, and that bought him like about a month before mm-hmm. he had to start like moving and shaking. Mm-hmm. And so, remember, it was like a very like expedited process. 
Yeah. And then now you've got this third time where, and we'll see what happens um, over the next. It feels like, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's all contingent on this Pac-12 deal. It does feel like the way your mark is speaking, it does feel like we're trending towards the Pac-12 at least temporarily not losing anyone. It feels like to me. The longer this goes. The only thing that I'm interested in is is the addition of Boise and UNLV. You know, like their names popping up. Is that related? Is that just like, let's get to 16? Or is that, we're kind of worried about losing Washington and Oregon. Now that would be the the curveball if you're the Big 12. Go, right. Go grab Washington well, and Well, I don't know if... I don't think they would. You think it's the Big Ten? I think Washington and Oregon. They want the Big Ten, but. They want the Big Ten. I think, I mean, honestly, though, they would take, like, Washington and Oregon are in agreement that, like, either they want, they would prefer the Big Ten, but if they could get into the SEC, they'd take it. Like, that's how, that's how, like, they understand, like, Phil Knight has been very, like, clear about that. I don't think, that that's the only thing that's kind of curious to me. Because you still have read some reports of, the Big Ten's kind of played tough with them, but it does seem like the Big Ten would be open to the idea of letting them buy their way in. Do you have a tasty take on conference realignment? So I, I got to – let's go back to your original take. Which is there, it feels like they're close. They're closer than ever. Closer than ever, but it doesn't feel like it's necessarily close enough. So my my tasty take on this is I want to know – like. I think it, it's important to know what is Brett Yormark's actual role. And here's mm. what I mean by that. Is Brett Yormark is have the Big 12 presidents essentially said, you get to go, you go make like we're entrusting you, you go make the deals, we'll rubber stamp it. Or is it more like Brett Yormark's essentially the agent of the Big 12, in which he's going out, he's making deals. And then he's presenting them to the presidents, and then the presidents will make the decision. Because there's been some your mark co- uh, comments that kind of lead me to believe that maybe it's not A or B, but it's certainly closer to B that mm-hmm. he's acting on behalf on behalf of the Big Twelve rather than acting unilaterally. Like he's not Jay Monahan going to get to cut the deal with the Saudis, and everyone's just going to come back and agree with it. Like mm-hmm. that doesn't seem to be to be the case. Because the reason why I say that this is important, I honestly think if it were left up to your mark, I think Memphis would be in pretty good shape for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think your mark, I think he understands his goal is we have got to be, we've got to be the third league and stay the third league. Mm-hmm. And I think he knows, given the landscape, you're not going to pick off Washington, Oregon. You know what I mean, like. His best path to being the third league is strength in numbers mm. and just having, you know, the best possible solutions. I also think that he is aware enough that just because, like, this isn't state school, you know, the flagship school or whatnot, if you can have a compelling product, a competitive product, that's going to help you with TV. And Memphis has been competitive in both. 
the problem is I'm still not convinced that he's getting that he's going to get to act that way because the university presidents are going to be more traditional college administrators, which is what are we doing? They said we can't add, we can't get more money if yep. we add a, a G five. Why are we doing this? No, it's it's always. I mean, this decision is always made. These decisions always ultimately come to the president's desk, and they're. Right, right, but the question is, when it comes to the president's desk, there's not a lot. Not a lot of these presidents are ultimately like the rubber stamping type on this type of decision. They're just not. Not in the Big Twelve. I think that's fair. Um, and so we'll see. I mean, it does feel like if you're to believe the media reports, media reporting on this, it does feel like, for instance, UConn is ahead of Memphis on the pecking order. Yeah, so if you're to read the the yeah. the, the wins that are so, emerging from the the reporting that's being done on this topic, it's that obviously the Pac-12 teams are at the top of their their wish list, but that UConn is probably it appears is ahead of Memphis as well on the wish list. So to me, I I talked to someone yesterday after the show cuz I had mentioned yesterday I still thought that this was a negotiation tactic. And the conversation that, we, that I had was that wasn't ruled out. But the reality for UConn is their administration wants to go. They're cash-strapped, cash, they're cash strapped and this is more money, and they want to go. The problem is the money, the boosters, the money people, they like what they've done because the reality is they don't care about football, and they're, they're winning in basketball, and they're, they're happy. Mm-hmm. It sounds like the administration might be close to having convinced them that the best path for a long like they've talked them into guys. Yes, do you realize how right much now. money yes, we need exactly. right now? Like, well, it's like they've talked them into guys. Yes, this is working for us right now, but I don't know if you've been paying attention. The Big East still doesn't have a new TV deal, and television executives are being a little bit uh, a little bit tighter with the pocketbook and the checkbook than they had been, and so. I, it seems like that they're getting closer and that maybe UConn is gone. Yeah, that would be. But I still don't think, I still think for Memphis, like what you need is your mark to sit there and realize like, or your mark to convince the presidents, this is not about the next two years. In 10 years, when there's going to be more landscape changes, our best path to survival is to be like the big league. Like, the league of all the teams. Well, and it's interesting because I've been thinking about this since the hot seat rankings came out. Oh, yeah. By Dennis Dodd, and they had, you know, obviously. Like, it feels like we've now seen a couple of these hot seat things, and it does feel like Ryan Silverfield is going to be. Any hot seat list that's written ahead of the season, my gut tells me 75% of them are going to include Ryan Silverfield. We've seen him on a couple already. I, I feel like the ones that we've seen, he's been on them. He's been on them. And Dodd's explanation included kind of the caveat of, hey, like Memphis is in full-on, you know, we need to impress the Big 12 mode. And part of why, the, the a big part of why he is on this hot seat list is because there is so much urgency that the f- football team needs to have a good season because that will in some, in some form or fashion help the cause. For the Big 12. 
Do you buy into that aspect of it that that Memphis football, like going, like let's say they can repeat 2019 this year, you know, like have that type of year where they're going to the, it wouldn't be the playoff this year, it'd be the Cotton Bowl again. Yeah. If they had that type of season, like a 10 and 2, 11 and 1 type of season, like do you see that, like this particular season, helping them in any way, given the Big 12's kind of has this looming in the air? Not really. Like, I think it would help. Like, if they went 10 and 1 or 10 and 2 and then, you know, won the league, like, I think that helps. Mm-hmm. I still think, like, I think your mark is the type that he's not going to allow, like, oh, they had a great season. Like, we got to, it's not like the, the Tigers are in a contract year. And it would, though, help Memphis's narrative in that it would be, that you could be like, now this is a third coach in a row who, like and third, what now fourth quarterback in a row who like because that would in you know part of that would involve Ryan Silverfield having a great season and don't step on the take. It would involve don't step on my take. We're not quite there yet. We're okay. not there yet. I was trying to lead no, you into. We're it. not there yet. Okay. Well, wait. Hang in there. Because I heard the I heard the I heard the makings uh, of a Hennigan was, take was, before the I show. Wanted, I wanted to double check my numbers and make okay. sure that I was ready to display the take, um, and I am. Um, I think though that time has come and gone. Like you know what I mean. Like I, you need to obviously, like Memphis is kind of like they need to be in good shape. Like you know what I mean. Like they need to go buy their best dresses, mm-hmm. and so like I would suggest it would. It's it's it's. It certainly doesn't help if you have another bad season. Correct. With that said, your mark doesn't strike me as someone that's going to be the prisoner of like this moment. Also, it never hurts to have a, a you know, in in the end, if you're going to have a, a big league, sometimes you got to have teams that win three games as well. Because I think that's the most fascinating thing. What do these AAC teams mm-hmm. that go to the Big Twelve? What happens? Because right now the no. projections are terrible. No, right now it looks like UCF is the only one that has a. They, they, they're people are giving a chance to be decent out of. The and it's four. basically like six and six. Yeah, it's like you'll, they'll win a few Big Twelve games. Correct. Um, no, in Houston and Cincinnati. And and to be clear, now to be fair, like Cincinnati is in a weird spot because they lost Luke Fickle, and, and they lost a ton of players. Everything, ton of players like, and staff from like those great Houston teams. is like I think they're projected to have like three and a half wins and. I mean, this is the other thing. Like we were talking about, I talked about it last week with with Justin and Brad. Whenever it talks about, like, God, what would that do for attendance at the Liberty Bowl? It's like, initially, yes, it would help attendance. Mm-hmm. But if you're not good, what happens though after five straight seasons of three and nine? Yeah, are people still going? Or you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I also am willing to accept. The difference between the Big 12 and the AAC is not as great as some of the odds makers are believing, mm-hmm. and that these teams could be pleasantly, you know, like they could have pleasantly surprising good seasons. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Like that's that's something that fascinates me. But back to your the the take that you want me to, and I feel yeah, do, like they, like to me, if they're going to have a good year, if they're going to have a good year, Seth has got to be better. Yeah, and so. I feel like there hasn't been I will say Seth Seth Hennigan probably 
didn't get praised enough for what he did as a freshman, and a got true praised, freshman, and got oh, and, and got, got the over, benefit of too, he got too much benefit of the doubt last year. Yes, I think that's exactly right. I think that's exactly like he was he was portrayed as like having another good year. And I would actually say I know the numbers suggest he was slightly better, uh, but I think you would argue it was you were expecting him to be slightly better, and it was kind of more like a little bit of a you know like especially the last half of the year he was conference play yeah and again I'm not saying Seth was he wasn't bad. bad he was not bad last year they had more problems that they had bigger problems than him it but, went in their losses but. But he also didn't lift them. Yeah. Like, if you think about, uh, you know, if you think about the SMU game, mm-hmm. he had a bad pick. That was like the game-ending pick, right? At the end, and then yeah, Tulane also had, like, I still contend that Tulane, like, that was a, that was a Ryan special. The mm. uh, the game was over at half, and you get him to play hard in the second half of the scoreboard. The scoreboard's yeah. a little closer. But they still had a chance to make a throw yeah. and, and flip the game again. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is be this would be my point. Offensive EPA per drop back last year. Mm-hmm. Do you care to guess where Seth ranked? This is in what does EPA mean? Expected points added per okay. drop back, which is basically did you help your team? Like yeah. think about it now. These- how how does that how does a stat like that factor in drops? Because he did have quite a few drops. Like the receiving core outside of pre scorn. Dropped a lot of balls. Yeah, I had. It's basically it factors in like it. It would take that into account, mm-hmm. but obviously, if they catch it, it would. Yeah, it would lift it up more. Um, I need to look up. I don't think the drop rate was as high as the perception was. By the way, yeah, um, no, but it was key drops. It was like it was always felt like drops at the most inopportune times for well, drives. That's because they had very little margin for error. Yeah, and it felt like every game. No, that's why it's like expected points added, like. One, Gabe's, he's mad at me. But essentially, it's like, what did you do on the play, and did it change? Did it change the outcome positively or negatively for your team? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to, I'm trying to explain it in layman's terms. Like on mat, like on paper, essentially how it works out is every single play. Did you fix the down and distance? Like, did you on first down? Did you gain four yards and put yourself in a better position in, on second down. Like, it's it factors in that. But there's math and whatnot. I'm trying to distill it down to you. Basically, what it's saying is, on every single play, did you add positively or negatively to your team's chances to win? Okay. That would be and how he was I was not good at it? Uh, Seth was eighth in the conference. Gotcha. Seth was behind Clayton Toon, Holton Naylor's, Michael Pratt, Tanner Mordecai. All of those guys, I think, make sense. Like yeah. the, those were the ones that I felt like. Like I thought those. Well, guys, just the fact that he was only the fifth best quarterback in the league is no, no. Here's the problem. Mm-hmm. Ben Bryant and John Rice Plumley ranked ahead of them, and this is dropbacks. So this doesn't include John Rice running. This yeah. is John Rice throwing. Those two guys are not good quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. One's a great athlete. The other was a quarterback because basically Luke Fickle had his phone number. He didn't even have a good year at Eastern Michigan when he transferred there. Yeah. No, it does feel like – because one of the intriguing storylines for Memphis football this year is the fact that basically all their receivers are gone from last year. But 
and I do think this will be the spin zone we get in August, is like, you know, like those receivers weren't very good. Like they dropped a lot of balls Which, last and year. And we, we mentioned it in real time. Like, I don't think that's necessarily like wrong. No, no I, I actually, you know, I, there is a very plausible way in which they lose four, whatever it is, four of their five leading receivers from last year, and they have a better receiving core than last year. Yes. That's, there's a very real possibility of that. Um, but uh, I, I like your tasty take, though, in that, like, if Hennigan has the same type of year he had his first two years, it's not going to be. I'm not saying they won't make a bowl, but it's not going to be. You're not contending for a conference title that way. That's, yes. You know, you're just not. And it's his third year. Yes. You'd hope you'd see growth. You know, you'd hope this year you see some significant growth, I'd think. Right? I would like to, at the end of the game, not have to ask this question. He needs Did to be, Seth play well? He needs to be an all-conference quarterback. Not because, necessarily. I'm not saying the first team necessarily, but like he needs to be making one of those three all-conference teams this he, year. This is the way that, that I'm saying. Like, how, think about last year. There were, you know, the couple of games that I cited where you can be like, man, those were those were horrific mistakes, yeah. and like those hurt him. But I just felt like a lot of times you'd get done with the game, and you'd sit there and you go, "Did Seth play well?" Like he didn't play bad, but did he? Play well, I remember well? it felt like he ran a lot too, way too much last year. They were relying on his legs too much. Well, I think, and, and it, it felt like some of it was out of necessity, well, but some I, of it felt no. Like, I think a lot of that was uh, lack of trusting the left side of the offensive line. Yes, and again, like he was. If you look, if you go through it, like the beginning of the year, like he had that stretch: Navy, Arkansas State, and. Um, yeah, Navy. The after the Navy and Arkansas State, he had a great two game stretch there at the beginning of the season. But outside of that, I mean, then he had the three straight games with two interceptions apiece, and they were all losses. EC. It was after that collapse against Houston. Yes, and then he he had he had, he was not great. He had three hundred ninety five yards, but two interceptions against East Carolina. He had. Um, Two interceptions against Tulane and a lot of yards and completions, but it all came in the second half. And then against UCF, he was he had two interceptions as well. Now he he protected the ball a little better the last the the end of the season um, and had a great bowl game. So hopefully, you know, but again, he he built some momentum there. Everyone had a great bowl. Game. Yes, <laughs> except for Utah State. Um, yeah. So uh, we'll see. Hey, Hannigan's going to be an interesting. Uh, he is the most intriguing player on this team still, despite all the changes. Um, he remains kind of the face of the operation, and he needs to. You know, this is this is you know junior year, third year starting. This is when he's really you know he's got to become the face. He's been he was anointed kind of the face of the operation last year, and now I think it's time for him to perform like that. Did he change numbers again? I'm not sure. I'm not sure, I but think I may. Have- I think I may have said it. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by him, and I, I think I think he will have. I think he'll have a better year. I don't know if he's going to be some superstar quarterback ultimately, but I think he'll have a better year. I think he's going to have a better year, but I think that might be schedule dependent. Perhaps. All right, when we come back, Eric Hasseltine will join us. He's the voice of the Memphis Grizzlies right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. We'll talk to him about the Grizzlies offseason, summer league, and more. 
You're listening. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Giannato and Jeffrey. Giannato and Jeffrey broadcast live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. This hour of G&J is brought to you by the Next Generation 10G Network, only from Xfinity. The Giannato and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. Eric Hasselstein's the Memphis Grizzlies radio network play-by-play announcer. Joins us each and every Thursday on the program. Eric, since we've last spoke, the Grizzlies... I guess casually, you know, normally it's you say you formally introduced, but it felt like this year the Grizzlies casually introduced Marcus Smart, but we got to hear our first comments from Marcus Smart since joining the team. Uh, what'd you make of it? Um, I got to be honest with you. I didn't get to see much of it. I've been down in Florida with my son for a Good baseball for you. tournament. So. Um, I, you know, look, I, I know what he brings to the table. I'm quite happy that he's part of the organization. Uh, I think it's a great move. You know, we discussed this before. It's nothing, you know, it's not a knock on Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones did the job he was paid to do when he was here and did it as well as anybody that's ever put on a Grizzly uniform in that position as a, um, as a non-starting point guard, even though he had starter capabilities, um, he helped make this team, you know, the, the second seed in the West two years in a row. And uh, you saw what happened when they lost him, in the year, in the the COVID year. So four great years and uh, you feel like, okay, he's going to want a new deal, um, a starter's deal at the end of this contract. You know who your starter is. You know who starter minutes are going to go to. You know he's got one more shot at probably getting a a longer term or at least a couple of years as a starter for sure. And that's, you know, good money after this contract. And so he's probably not going to resign. And if you hold – that notion out that his trade value continues to go down. Like at the deadline, if you disrupt the chemistry, if you've had them there all year and now you're trying to bring somebody else in, that doesn't work. If you don't get a deal done or you don't, you can't find a, a sign and trade deal in the off season next year, then you lose them for nothing. So this, this kind of killed two birds with one stone, so to speak, filling the, the defensive void left by the departure of Dylan Brooks. 
but also filling the need to have a guy that could bring the ball up. And then with the open roster spot, obviously the addition of Derrick Rose. So um, I'm not sure, you know, that, that if you ask Marcus Smart that this was the ideal movement for him professionally, that he would have said that right away. But, you know, look, in the end, this is what happens in professional sports, and these guys are pros. So they make the most of it, and then I, I think you'll get nothing but Marcus Smart's best moving forward. The thing that I found interesting uh, about his comments I found this one thought in particular pretty interesting. And again, it's words. It's a press conference. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to make too much out of it. But I did think it was interesting that he, you know, when he was asked about, you know, what can you bring from, like, a leadership perspective, I thought it was very interesting that he's like, hey, man, like, I, when I was in Boston, like, I was the longest tenured guy. Like, I was there when everyone came in. So, like, it was kind of my spot. So, I, I felt the need to do that. But like, I haven't earned that there. I, I just thought it was really encouraging because I thought like, you know, we've seen like, I think with David Fisdale, you know, going to bring the championship mentality and whatnot. And it didn't work. I right. just, I found it interesting that like, he's like, he's deciding like the, the way that he's going to play it out. It's like, you know, these are, it's a new team. I, these guys don't know me, but like, I'm going to earn it. And kind of, he couched it with like, I think they'll see that like, you know, when I with my play and whatnot, that that I'll earn it. But I, I thought that was an interesting, like, kind of angle to take. It, it, you know, I think it's a shade. It's it's tough to compare David Fisdale and Marcus Smart in, in that. You know, one's David a coach, Fisdale one's a player. Was, yeah. Well, and and David Fisdale wasn't the head coach. Yeah. And it's not a knock on him. He was the assistant coach, and he had a great relationship with LeBron James. But where that message fell short to his players when he was the head coach, was like, hey, when I was with LeBron, and you had some pushback. You had some players say, hey, look, man, you you weren't the head coach. You were there, and we're not buying into what you're selling right now. And I think he, uh, maybe just in his first go-round, felt like that would just give more credibility to his locker room than it did. Um, I'm not knocking David Fisdale. I'm just saying – you know, Marcus Smart was there. Marcus Smart's a defensive player of the year. Marcus Smart is a, a guy that's been a lottery pick. He's been part of a, a rebuild that's been incredibly successful. They haven't won a championship in Boston, but they went to the finals, and many thought they were the most balanced team this year, um, but they fell behind, and they nearly pulled off the first ever 3-0 down to win a series, and then who knows what they would have done against Denver if they would have been uh, a, a tougher matchup for the Nuggets or not, especially you know with a, maybe a, you know a veteran like Al Horford who has a little bit more size, and then Robert Williams they had a little bit more down low to offer, but it didn't happen. But playing in conference finals on the regular and playing in an NBA finals in that locker room, that's where these guys want to get. That's where Steven Adams can step in, who's been in an NBA Finals as well. Now you have two guys in that locker room that have played Finals games. Neither one of us has won a Finals ring. Um, Danny Green had, but, um, you know, look, that that matters. And, and, you know, trying to bring guys in that will do things the right way is is what this front office is is hoping to accomplish with this. So um, I like it. I mean, I liked everything about it. I, I hate to see Tyus go, but you want what's best for him. As I always say, you only get one ride on this crazy roller coaster that's an NBA career, and, and it doesn't. you don't get to re-ride. You don't get to go buy another fast pass and say, well, I think I'll just take another go around yeah. here. It doesn't work that way. So once it's done, it's done. So you got to maximize 
your opportunities. So, you know, look, we, we wish them all the best. And, um, you know, that's just part of this. And, and the city is crazy. I was thinking about it the other day. We got the, we got our first real taste of this uh, in the first the first playoff run, the three-year playoff run, the uh, 03, 04, 04, 05, 05, 06. And Earl Watson kind of just was not re-signed. And everybody's like, how could you let Earl Watson just walk? And everybody said, because you can't afford to keep everybody. Right. And somebody offered him more money that you could pay him. And that's going to, when you're a good team, that's what's going to happen. People are going to want your players. And that's just part of the business side of this. It's, it's every year at the end of the year, to me, that's why it's a tad emotional. Cause for the most part, and it's the same way in college sports, but you know, you know, at that last game, you're never going to, that, that group's never going to be together like that again. Coaches, players, all, it's never going to be together like that. When you run from October to May and possibly even into June with guys, that, that, that's a big chunk. And it's, it's wild. You know, you always see people and they take off and they're like, hey, we'll keep in touch. No, you won't. You really won't. You'll, you'll drop a text message here and there and you'll say hello and you'll see each other when you play each other, but you're going to move on with your lives. And, um, it's just a fact of life. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow because we get attached to, to players we like and players we respect and players that have helped the organization reach new heights. And, but then sometimes it's time for them to go out and spread their wings and do something else. You know, it's, it's kind of like having kids that go to college and friends of yours in college that you spent four years hanging out with and doing the same routine for four years. And all of a sudden, that sheepskin's handed to you as you walk across the platform from the from the dean, and you realize, okay, unless I'm gonna you know stick around here, I'm not gonna see these people again much. Like I'm I'm gonna go off and make my way in the world, and that's kind of the way the NBA works too. Um, in a lot of these situations, broadcasters not as much. We we tend to find a place and stay there till they pry us out of the chair. Yeah, it's a destination job though. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, absolutely only the best of the best. We're talking to Eric Hasseltine. One of the best of the best. Uh, he he calls game. He calls games. He's the play-by-play voice of the Memphis Grizzlies here on ninety-two-nine FM ESPN. Eric, I'm curious what you think of this dynamic because, as you pointed out, and I think all three of us, maybe there's others listening who don't agree, but I came into this offseason going, man, this is like this is probably the most difficult offseason Zach Kleiman has faced thus far as GM, and I think all three of us agree that coming out of this. Like, I feel pretty good about the moves they made overall. Like, you can quibble here and there, but I think in general, like, when you went in going, okay, like, they need to, if they're not going to bring back Dylan, they need to find, like, a new fourth guy. And, like, I feel pretty good about Marcus Smart being the new fourth guy. And, you know, I yeah, I guess you could make the argument that they should have signed a different position for the 15th spot, you know, over Derrick Rose. But, you know, given the rationale of, like, we think this is the route to getting the best version of John Morant, like from a mentorship standpoint, like I think it makes some sense. Um, but given that dynamic, like they, it seems like they made solid moves at the very least. Um, it does feel like expectations for this team will be lower next year by the NBA at large, uh, especially like we looked it up the other day right now. I think sixth, yeah, six best odds. odds in the Western conference. Um, okay. For the Grizzlies, what were they last year though? weren't they like seventh or eighth last year or ninth? People didn't. Even, some people had them out of the play-in tournament after being the two seed. Oh, they're not going to sneak up on anybody, right? Remember that? Yeah. Give me two I mean, seconds and I'll look it up. Every year with this organization, 
I, I could own my house outright and probably another one if every year I just said, take the over, take the over, take the over. Even the years they were bad, take the over. There were a couple of years we knew they were going to be really bad. This does feel like it over. could be a take the over year in the sense that I do think people are going – the preseason prognostication, the win total prognostication is probably going to overvalue the 25 games job misses would be my oh, guess. 100%. You know, yeah, like and- – the projection will be as if they go like nine and sixteen in those twenty five, and my gut tells me it'll be closer to like five hundred or a little above five hundred. Uh, nine and sixteen, I think, would be generous. I think they're they're thinking you're going to go ten and fifteen or eight and you know eight and seventeen. Yeah, probably six and nineteen, mm-hmm. and that you're going to. The Grizzlies were six struggle. last year. I looked it up. They're six last six year. last year. Okay, so and, I mean, their win total was forty nine and a half, and they went fifty one. I mean, I feel like Vegas. I feel like Vegas has done better. Like, I don't feel like we see the gross under, you know what I mean, like where you, the Grizzlies would just fly by. Well, no one's talking about the yeah. Grizzlies had a great offseason. You're not seeing any of no, that anywhere. You know, they, the, and I think they had a pretty, given what they had to work with and given right. what they needed to accomplish and, the you know, given the salary constraints of now paying three guys moving forward big money, like I think they did pretty well for themselves ultimately. And, and it does, it just feels like they're kind of, Scooting way under the radar this this off season, which is probably a nice change of pace given how out there they've been over the past year for various reasons. I think that's accurate, and I think you were right in saying that this was their probably their toughest off season they've had. They haven't really faced adversity like this. You have a center who went down with an injury in January and never returned, and then you have a power forward whose game is based on athleticism who ruptures his Achilles in March. And that very same night, well, later into the or early into the next morning, your point guard gets himself in some trouble. He's suspended. And then you've got to go in with the, the bigs never come back. You had to make a roster move that a lot of people were like, well, why'd you, why'd you pay Kennedy Chandler all that money to wave him? Well, because they didn't have a choice. They couldn't go into that playoff series without another backup big. So they had to, elevate, you know, Kenneth Lofton Jr.'s contract from a two-way to a full term, and they had to waive somebody, and that's just was the logical spot to go, unfortunately. So, um, and I hate that for Kennedy because he, he worked hard and he was he was all in, and but that's just sometimes how this league works when, you, when things don't go according to plan. So they hit the ground running. They made great moves. They, they got lucky with the lottery and used it wisely. So they got the luck on their side and then didn't, you know, squander it, and then you talk about everything they've done since. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, 
There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.